As many of us have witnessed, this has been a highly contentious and acrimonious campaign season. We've seen many accusations. We've seen many demonizations of one candidate or the other by both their supporters and the candidates themselves. And we, as part of the Muslim community here in this country, who has been an important part of the community overall in this country for the better part of three or four centuries, before even the founding of the United States of America, one might ask, what is our role? What is our obligation in all of this? And many of us probably have heard much about this before, ranging from the idea that it's a religious obligation to vote, and perhaps even an obligation to vote for a particular candidate, to the other extreme that it is completely immoral and unsanctioned and haram to participate at all in any of this political process. And what I want to offer today is not to try to change your mind or try to make you think what I want you to think, but rather offer you some principles that perhaps if we try to follow them, then we might be led to a more informed process and decision. So if we don't find the appropriate amount of competence and trustworthiness in any particular person we are looking for, whether it's in business, whether it's in marriage, or whether you're electing a senator, a congressman, or a president, then you find the most that you can find, depending upon the choices that are put before you. These are the principles by which Muslim civilization was built. These are the principles, while Muslim civilization has not always held these principles, has not always lived up to them. In the past hundred or so years, you can easily see that in much of the Muslim world, these principles have not been held up. But when they have been held up, when they have been touted as the most important principles in arranging the idarat al-ard, the management of our affairs that go beyond just the individual, then you see the flourishing of Muslim civilizations. When they are not held up, then you see a debasement, and they become the worst societies and communities to reside in, rather than the best ones. Whatever the result, whatever the outcome, there will be much that needs to be done by all communities all over the world. We live in a very polarized, factionalized world today. We have Muslims killing one another in at least five countries around the world. Many places, Muslims killing one another. And we have other people killing one another as well. And oftentimes, people don't know why they're fighting. Don't vote in this election if all that you're thinking about is to improve the state of Muslims and see which candidate will be better for the Muslims. See which candidate is better for America. See which candidate, not just for America, this is the most powerful position in the whole world. The most powerful political office in the whole world is President of the United States. So it's not just about America, it's about the rest of the world. See who's best for all, not just for our own small self-interest. We don't want to be another self-interest group. There's plenty of those groups around. And all that they will ever do by lobbying and begging on the, the stairs of Congress and of their local capitals is a few crumbs that will be thrown their way based upon their political lobbying and any political donations that they make. True change comes about by sacrifice. African Americans in this country got nothing by pandering to political lobbies, got nothing by pandering to politicians. The only way they got something, the civil rights movement, was based upon sacrifice. That was Sheikh Walid Muhammad Mossad, who is a Muslim teacher, 
based in Allentown, Pennsylvania. He came to the Islamic Community Center of Lancaster last Friday, and I was there to hear his sermon, along with about a hundred other people. I was there because I found the people at the Islamic Community Center to be very warm and welcoming and open, and I want to build a lasting relationship with them. I was immediately taken with what Walid Mossad had to say. I found myself agreeing with him, and I found that I was interested in having a longer conversation with him about this election, about the state of American politics, about the state we're in, and what we can do, and what we are doing, if anything at all, about it. As I record this on Tuesday, November 8th, 2016, I've just voted in this election, the election that Walid was referring to. I find it very hard to feel good about the choice that I made, or really any of the choices that I had before me. As I sat there, pen in hand, ballot in front of me, I considered very deeply what Walid had said about making a choice, the best choice for America. And I really thought very hard about what that meant to me. And if the choice that I was going to make would, in fact, drive that sentiment. I was also thinking about how, as a citizen of this country, which is, again, at the heart of what Walid was saying, my choice perhaps should be less about me personally and more about us as a whole. There's a larger community here, a community in need. Can I, would I be able to make a choice that would serve that larger in-need community? I have to say that I couldn't find one on that piece of paper. Whether it was simple confusion, despondency, knowing too much or knowing too little, there wasn't a good choice to make. Either way, it would seem no matter what choice I made, I would fail my country. But it's not me, of course, that's failing our country. And it's not you. But that sense of failure pervaded. And I walked out of the polling precinct feeling a kind of heaviness weighing on me. I mean, so now it's hours from being over. And I trust that come the point in time when the polls are meant to close, it will indeed be over. But then... As always, now what? What are we left with? The same questions resound. The same problems persist. The same groups in need remain in need. It's perhaps cliche and even macabre to say that, you know, election day is supposed to be a day of celebration where we exercise our special right as American citizens to choose the people that will represent us in positions of power. But I didn't feel that sense of celebration, and I didn't really get the sense that anyone else did either. This was always going to be a weird day, and in a few hours it'll be over. Confusion still reigns, doubt still reigns, despondency still reigns. I talked to a couple of the participants in Friday's prayer service to get their reactions to Sheikh Walid Mossad's sermon and general sense from them about how they feel about the election. And then I sat down with Sheikh Walid Mossad himself for a brief conversation that I hope actually is just the beginning. You said you're confused. Yes. Why? I am confused about the advertisement on the media. Uh, I don't think so. Anybody playing a true 
role. Media, it's not playing a good role. Now, I think we should have find uh, other. You know, we should have picked something else. Shouldn't pick Hillary. Shouldn't pick Trump. And you're con- you say you're confused too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a tough call. It's a very tough call. Why? Sorry. Why? Because I mean, on, you know, at one side we have Trump, right, who made so many comments about my, you know minorities, especially Muslims, and also. What do you think can- about what he said about Muslims? Well, of course, I don't feel good about it. <laughs> do, you, do you believe that he really thinks those things, or is he trying to... Well, I, if I he know. can express in, in front of thousands of people, like yeah. then, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, he could really, really, this is what he's thinking. That's what you know, right? He, he should yeah. filter his talk, and then before he delivers problem, it's he gave you everything you need to filter which one what's his right Trump made comments about Muslim just not once so it's not just you know that was a slip of tongue and I think also you know his comments about Mexicans you know another thing about women so it's not just Muslim so you know he has no right to talk about but I mean he doesn't know what the constitution is you know so he's basically he's a business person maybe he's a successful business person and of course the um, where he said, like, you know, how smart he is, he, he did not pay any federal taxes for several years. So that doesn't <laughs> make him smart, you know, like... All, he said it made him smart. Well, he said, right? That's, but I don't think, you know, a lot of people or majority of the Americans would agree with him. I don't so, think so. So, so uh, what are you going to do? do you, you, well, so it's still, at this point, I'm not sure. So okay. I'll go and see, you know, what I would feel at that point. And we'll then, flip you know, a coin? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. My name is uh, Walid Masad. I'm, uh, I come to the Lancaster community to give the Friday sermon uh, once a month. I'm uh, a PhD in Islamic studies and I've also studied in the Muslim world and traditional uh, Islamic studies as well. And I, you know, I lecture here and there and things like that. So that's basically what I do. So your, your, your talk today was about the election, which is upcoming, and there's been a great deal of contention, as you mentioned, about the election. And uh, you said and I like this very much, that one of the things you said was, you know, I don't want to tell you what to think, um, which is what I try to do as a teacher. I try not to tell my students what right. to think, but I try to give them as much information as possible to right. let them make the decisions intelligently. Right. Um, do you think that this election provides for that kind of forum? Um, do you think that people are being given the opportunity to have the information necessary to make the best choice for America? Or has salacious politics as usual kind of erase that opportunity? Well, I think progressively in the past, you know, four or five election cycles, probably when elections started kind of getting, taking place, or at least the campaign on TV, maybe with Nixon and Kennedy, that first debate, and then progressively until now, I think we've seen a deterioration of, I think, people's ability to evaluate what the candidate stands for and what they would do and how they differ from the other candidate and what type of platform they're coming with. And now... As I see it, uh, you know, in the current election cycle, um, we have, at least on the Republican side, a candidate who prior to this wasn't really a Republican at all. Um, You know, some Republicans might even say that he kind of hijacked the whole thing. And so 
you know, what, what that shows me is that it's more about image and it's more about who can get the best sound bite. You know, uh, he's, he's a media he's a media genius. genius in that way. Yeah. And um, and it's been like that. I would say even Obama, when he got elected in 2008, uh, was that the first yeah, time? It was, all about um, the sound bite. it was also about the soundbite. And if you look at how things are portrayed in general, it's also about the soundbite. If you compare the Vietnam War versus the first Gulf War, big difference in how the two were covered. Certainly. Again, so I think media and technology and the way that news is reported today and the way that people get their news uh, is affecting their ability to kind of figure out I w to be honest with you, from a, from kind of a theological perspective, yeah. not just who the best candidate is, but what the reality is out there. I think people are so, you know, glued into their phones and their devices and their social media, and they kind of just see in the newsfeed people who think like them. It's an echo chamber, groupthink, that whole thing. Right. And so as a result, um, people have a hard time kind of discerning reality, I think, not just who's the best candidate. So do that's you, a systemic problem. Do you think either of these candidates, like you said, choose your candidate based on who will be best for America? But I will put the question to you, do you think either of these candidates really has an interest in, you know, doing away with Islamophobia and making the, America at least uh, a place that is inclusive? Um, and also, the second part of that question would be, are either of these candidates good for the Muslim world in general? You mean, uh, to be honest with you, Sam, I'm not really that interested in the Islamophobia question. I think Islamophobia is part of a larger trend of xenophobia. I don't right. think it's something unique in its own right. I mean, with Catholics and the Irish and uh, La Latinos and everyone came to this country, they all experienced some of that and still continue to experience that to some degree. When Kennedy ran for president, it was like a Catholic, is the Pope going to be in charge? Right. You know, all of those things were put out there. So, um, for me... That is based upon when people are unstable economically, mm -hmm. they feel socially disenfranchised, that they want to have a boogeyman. And the boogeyman du jour is Muslims right now. So i rather see a candidate address the underlying issues. You know, uh, disenfranchised communities in eastern Kentucky, the coal miner community, or Mississippi, or in Alabama, or in Texas, or in Detroit, wherever those communities might be, I want to see a candidate who is going to be helping those people. Right, to take the underlying issue, not the Islamophobia, as it were. I don't know that I see either of those candidates necessarily being progressive about, about well, those things. That's the thing. That's what I tried to say in the sermon today, that the power elite are not going to change anything unless they feel they have to. And that's not going to happen except with sacrifice from... So um, say more, and this is my last question, say yeah. more about what you think that sacrifice should look like. Um, I mean, I think we take the civil rights movement as kind of a cue. Uh, I think people have to be heard, and people have to be seen, and people have to be made aware. I think nowadays um, it's become sort of like a very fashionable, if you will, trendy type of thing to be seen at a particular protest, like the North Dakota pipeline, which, I mean, it's an important issue, but you see certain celebrities chime in, and you see kind of people getting their selfie over there, and, and it's, it's like the cause you know, du jour, but... What about all the, and there's a million other issues in people's own local communities. Someone who's willing to travel all the way out to North Dakota, but say lives in, in you know, Detroit or lives in Cleveland or somewhere where there's, there's similar issues are going on and they don't even think about it. To me, there's a disconnect there. There's something that's not right. I mean, are there people who are taking up that mantle? Honestly? Uh, yes, you, honestly. If you find them, let me know because I'd be happy to join them because I haven't found them yet. So, I mean, I think we still, like I said, it's very polarized, it's very partisan. Um, you know, uh, depressed white communities are being demonized by even the Democrats, just like depressed black communities are being demonized by Republicans. And to me, it's the same illness. 
It's not like, you know, they're, they're both susceptible to the same thing. And I'm interested in working with people who can see above all of that, see the humanity in each single individual, and then let's roll up our sleeves and get to work and, and try to bring awareness first. Are you, are you finding those people? No, I'm not. Very rarely. Even within the Muslim community. So that's, that's, that saddens me to hear that. Maybe I'm not looking in the right places. I don't know. Brother, how long, where have you gone? Thanks for listening to this episode of What We Will Abide. Music again, provided by Morning Stillness. You can find old episodes of What We Will Abide on iTunes, on Facebook, and the podcasting application of choice for me, which is Overcast. Please write a review of What We Will Abide on iTunes, which helps listeners find it. And you can also leave comments on individual episodes at samshindler.com.